I'll, I'll try to be mindful of the time. I know we got the dinner in the back, a lot of people's minds that way, but if you could just hold with me here for a few minutes. And, uh, and we definitely will. I appreciate that. Um, but um, I, I appreciate the songs and, and, and the testimonies and everything. It's just amazing to me how wonderful God is sometimes. Uh, it, it just, he never ceases to amaze me. And I've heard uh, people say, well, but should we be amazed by God? And I thought, well, if we, even if he still didn't amaze us sometimes, he wouldn't be God. I know we should expect God to work miracles and expect God to do things beyond our imagination, and we do. But when He does it, sometimes the way He does it is astounding to me. It's just, it's amazing. And uh, I'm thankful for His love and His mercy. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 78. Psalms chapter 78. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that this is a real familiar psalm. It's one that I think is known somewhat. You will know a lot of the story behind it. Psalms chapter 78. We're going to read, uh, we're going to break in the middle of this and we're going to read from verse 19 down to verse 22. Then I'm going to back up as I preach the message and read down through the verses for sake of time. We're going to do it that way. And also, uh, it's just the way I felt led to do it. But Psalms chapter 78, verse 19. Is everybody there? Amen. All right. The Bible says, Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out, and the streams overflowed that he gave bread also. Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this, and it was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel, because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this time together and for this day that you've given us. God, I thank you for this time of year that we've set aside to celebrate your birth. And Lord, you come into earth to take upon flesh, Lord, as we are, and live as we did. Lord, we thank you for that, and we praise you that you saw fit, Lord, to love us enough. Do that for us, Jesus, to become the perfect sinless sacrifice we needed for our sins. And God, I pray this morning, Lord, that you give me the words needed. Father, use me as you see fit. God, I cannot preach this without you. I can't do anything without you, Lord. You make all the difference in all of us, Lord, that are born again. Father, you have done so much for us, and we thank you and we praise you. Touch hearts, Lord, as needed. God, help us focus on you here for a little bit. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Um, this morning, let me say a couple things as we get started. Now, this psalm is what's called a history psalm. Uh, a lot of them are not, but there's a few of them that are, and this is the longest one. As you notice, uh, this psalm has quite a few verses. Uh, I didn't know right off the top of my head, but anyway, um, 72 to be exact. So it is a long chapter. And in saying that, we have uh, Asaph, I think is how you say his name, that wrote this psalm. He was considered the greatest musician and poet of David and Solomon. He was considered their best one, their favorite one. 
And he carried a lot, of, a lot of responsibility. And he is credited with writing this psalm. And what this psalm is about primarily is Israel's sin against God and his compassion for them and then his constant bringing them back to him and his mercy, but yet his judgment on them as well because of that. Now, as you heard me read in verse 19, and the question is asked, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? We know that David said in Psalms 23 that he prepared the table for my enemies. Uh, so we know that God can because we read about all the things God did in the wilderness for the children of Israel. And, and we see that uh, he time and time again he provided for them. Growing up, I heard often said, I would be in class and school and I would say, can I go to the restroom? Can I this? And the teacher would always respond with, I don't know, can you? So I was taught that you ask, may I? Not can I? Because if you ask if you can do something, it is a question whether or not you have the ability to do that. We know that God more than enough has the ability to provide and furnish a table in the wilderness or anywhere else he wants to. Now there are a few things God can't do. You realize that. One, he can't lie. Two, he cannot forget you. Three, he cannot change. I mean I could go on with quite a few things that God can't do and they're all, they're all in our favor. There's a lot of things you and I can't do that's not necessarily in our favor. Uh, but they are when it's something that he can't do. So this morning, what I want to preach to you about is can God furnish a table for you? Now let me say this as we get started. I've heard many messages on prayer. I've told you before that I've listened to them. I've got probably, I don't know, 16, 15, 18 books on prayer alone. And I think it's an endless subject. I think it's also one of the most important things that Christians neglect is prayer. We don't pray nowhere near like we should or enough. Uh, I thought as Morgan was teaching than what he read, uh, both uh, a lot of times goes along with what I'm going to preach and we don't talk about it. Um, but anyway, uh, I wonder sometimes if we pray to God as much as we talk to our family, how long we'd have our families. We say, well, I love God. Do you show him that? Where's your evidence? By the way, prayer and reading your Bible are two major evidences against you or for you. And I've often heard people give different things about prayer, different hindrances, different helps, ways we can get prayer answered. I've heard people say you don't need to do a whole lot. I've heard people say you do. I'm not going to get into all that. All I'm going to tell you is this. From my personal experience, if I have not been walking with God, if I have not been praying like I should, reading my Bible like I should, I can tell you when I pray, I can tell the difference. Especially when I'm sitting by bedside of someone who's sick, facing possible death, or there's needs in their lives, whatever it may be, and I go to pray for them, and sometimes I feel like the Holy Spirit said, you're actually going to ask me right now to do that? Maybe he's never done you that way, I don't know, but he sure has me. Y'all looking at me like a calf at a new fence. If y'all never prayed enough to experience that, I don't know. Anyway, let me preach then. <laughs> Verse 1. He says, Give ear, all my people. You know, many times in the Bible, Jesus said, Those that have ears to hear, let him hear. Do you know why he said that? 
because so much of the time our ear is death to him. Uh, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ear to the words of my mouth. He's saying, listen to everything I say. Listen to what this Bible tells you when saying something. He says, I'll open my mouth in a parable. I'll utter dark sayings of old. This is not some hocus-pocus dark magic that he's referring to. It's not some hidden thing. It's just simply, it's sayings that's been around for years and they should have been handed down and wasn't. That's all it is. He said, which, have, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Let me ask you a question, fathers. Let's pause here just for a minute. Does your kids see you pray? Do they know you pray and trust God for things? Does your family experience prayer with you? Do they know that you halfway read your Bible? Is there some testimony somewhere in the past that you can say we prayed and asked God for this and here's what he did? Kind of quiet all of a sudden. When's the last time your family experienced you going off saying, I gotta go pray? I'm gonna go pray. I'm gonna go talk to God. When's the last time you knelt down with your family? Nothing's wrong, everything's good, and you say, We're just gonna talk to Jesus for a little bit. Well, I must be in the right spot this morning. Huh. Is there to hand down to your kids that your kids can hand down to their kids in your life? You know, I'll, I'll tell you, those things from my grandparents, uh, unfortunately, it's mostly my grandmother's. Uh, my, my mom's dad got saved just a few years before he got saved, not long. My dad's dad, I'll be honest with you, he made a couple professions, and I'm just not real sure. And our family basically agrees with that statement. I'm not saying anything that most people in my family don't agree with. My grandmother's, my, my mom's mom, she was raised hard, she was raised mean, and she was never taught love. Her dad whipped her with a dog chain when she was a child, and then he ran off and left them, and her mother was there to raise kids alone, so she didn't experience a lot of love. She showed love the best way she could or know how. The way she showed love is if you mess with one of her favorite grandkids, you got some of that wrath that she was taught. So she was sweet in her way. My dad's mom was one of the most meek, mild women I've ever met in my life. And, and, and through from her, I believe his family, my dad's family, has benefited greatly because of my grandmother. Let me ask you something. Can your kids say that about you, folks? Well, I, don't, I may not get any farther than this. I don't know. Let me, let me move along. We're going, we're going to keep digging. We do got mashed potatoes this morning, don't we? <laughs> Amen. Okay. Uh, speaking of digging taters, let me, let me say this. Let me pause here for a second. When altar call comes, I don't care what's burning. I don't care what needs stirred. Leave it alone. There's people in the back to take care of it. Please stay in your seats until we're finished with the altar call. That's all I ask. Okay. Let me get back to preaching now. Quit meddling. Verse 6, he says that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, 
who should arise and declare them to their children. See, it's, it, 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 what it's saying is it continues on. Things that God has done in our life, things that He has accomplished, it shouldn't be a continuation. It should not be a monument that we set up and say, here's what God did for our family. Man, look at that. And there's nothing to come after that. It's supposed to be a continuation. It's supposed to be taught that God is faithful and we are faithful to God and we will honor Him all the days of our life. That is the way you live your life for Jesus. That is the way that you do things for God. It's not way back here, look at this little piece we got. It's God is always good. God is always there. And we will continue to serve and honor God all the days of our life. Are you doing that? Where's the evidence? Is it there? That they, verse 7, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments. I'm afraid that there's some of us in this church, some of you parents, that you, your hope is in other places. You have not put your kids in a position to honor God like they should because you're not honoring God like you should. Their hope may be in other things. I know Christian people who say that their hope, they put their kids so involved in all these sports and all these things and that's what's going to keep them out of trouble. That's what's going to happen. What about God? Whatever happened to him? I thought that's what kept me out of trouble. You know what? When I played sports, you know who I learned to get in trouble with most of the time? The people that I played sports with. Yeah, I, I, that, that wisdom will work, won't it? My parents didn't push it on me, but they supported me. They let me play. But, but if they only knew some of the people I was getting in trouble with that I played sports with, they would probably made me quit. We got a couple of amens. I like sports as much as anybody. It's all about God. It's ain't about us. Verse 8. <laughs> It might be not as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. You think this doesn't preach to me too? Sure it does. You think I don't look at my life and say, I failed my son, I failed my wife, and I failed my daughter at times. Do they see what they need to see from me when it comes to God? Not all the time. Have I been the example I need to be at all time? But my goal was desire is to teach them that there's a God in heaven that loves them above all and he is to honor them, she is to honor them above everything and anything and I want them to see the difference God has made in our life. Now, let's get to the message. The children of Ephraim been armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the of God and refused to walk in his law. The children of Ephraim here, for those of you that don't know a quick little Bible story, we had the 12, 12, 12, uh, 12, I can't say it, 12 tribes of Israel and we know that after David, Solomon, after Solomon, the, the, the Israel split. It became two different countries, two different nations. And Ephraim is what they're talking about here. The nations that went one way, Judah went the other way. We had the north and the south uh, against one another, if you will. And Ephraim was one of the kids of uh, Jacob that was named, or Joseph that was named after. Uh, one of the 12 tribes was named after him. And so Jacob is one of uh, the, the uh, 
uh, tribes that it was named after. It is also considered the, the nation that God stayed with the mostly during the, the separated kingdom, divided kingdom. That's a lot of Bible in a very short amount of time. But number one, let me tell you, verse 10, they kept not the covenant of God. Number one, if we kept the covenant of God, you know, God made a covenant with you and I in so many ways. He said, if you'll follow, Jesus said, if you'll follow my commandments, I'll honor what you do. If you keep my commandments, you show that you love me. Two people knew that verse. Let's try that again. He said, if you keep my commandments, it shows that you and you love somebody mumbled it and you love one more one another you know how you want to show God that you love him let's love each other if you don't love each other I'm going to go and tell you your test real quick at how much you love God by how much you love people sitting in this room right now and how much you love people that you don't like. Be honest. You don't like everybody in this room like you do others. Don't look at me like, well, now, preacher, you shouldn't say things like that. Then you shouldn't think it. Woo! But you're still to love them. Just the same. The covenant that God made with you and I, He said, if you'll come unto me, all that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Can God do for you what you need? How are you keeping the covenants? If you're not keeping the covenants that God has gave us in His Word, you say, well, I don't know them. Whose fault's that? Well, <laughs> none of us is off the hook this morning, are we? You see, I've got as much or more responsibility to this than anybody in here because God expects more from me. And rightfully so. In some ways. In some ways, he expects an equal amount from all of us. But number one, the covenant. kept not the covenant. Let me read on. And in verse 11, and forget his works and his wonders that he had shewed them. So number two, they also forget his commandments. I just mentioned to you that one way that Jesus said that show his love is by keeping his commandments. Do you care about what the Bible says? Does it matter? Does it matter more about what you want to do or does it matter more about what God wants you to do? Most of the time, we are too selfish to even remotely be concerned about what God wants from us because all we care about is what we want. I wonder if God is pleased with that. So can God do for you? Can he furnish a table for you in the wilderness when we carry nothing about the covenant that he made with us? When we don't keep his commandments. Can God do that for you? Well, I'll go ahead and tell you. Yeah, he can. But will he? Now, God will take care of you no matter what. He'll see to it that you're taken care of regardless to certain degrees. I believe this, folks. I believe, I believe it's Bible. You say, well, how? How many times have you read the Bible that, that history is given? You know the worst thing about history is we never learn from it. Amen. One thing about history is, is that history has taught us that we don't learn from history because we turn right around and we do it again. And this country is doing exactly what history has taught us for 2,000 years. We're doing it right now. We're kicking God out and we're bringing the heathen in and we're seeing the price we're paying for it. 
all the, the murdered babies, all the anything goes anymore. Don't tell the people. Don't tell people what's wrong. Don't tell people they can't be a dog or a cat or a man or a woman because you'll hurt their feelings. Bless God, I want to hurt your feelings. God hurt mine. You know, when my parents corrected me, they said, this hurts me more than it hurts you. I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. Now, it hurts me to, hurt, to, to punish my kids, but I don't feel the physical pain that he feels. <laughs> yeah. Got a couple of amens there. So number, number one, do we keep his covenant? Number two, do we keep his commandments? How can he set a table for us when we don't do these things? Verse 11, and forget his works and the wonders which he showed them. Do you all have works and wonders he showed you in your life that you can hand down to your kids? That you can stand up and testify about? Verse 12, marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zion, Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through and he made the waters to stand as in heap. You know, there's been times in my life I may not have physically come to a Red Sea, but I've had some Red Sea experiences. I've come to a place where the old saying, I stood between a rock and a hard place. I stood at the Red Sea and the enemy was behind and brother, he was coming, crashing down my neck and God said, watch what I can do. And he parted the Red Seas. This, this week, uh, Amber, uh, I wasn't going to say anything about it, but Amber called me, her mom went to Bartsville, spend money all day that we don't have for Christmas presents that we don't need. That's been sarcasm. And uh, anyway, just to add to the story, like Earl. But, um, but she called, Drew called, said the car started missing real bad, said we don't know what's wrong, said we're going into Ross's. I said go in Ross's and pray. I was hoping that somehow some electronical gadget on that car would somehow start working when she come back out. I know it doesn't work that way most of the time, but I was still hoping. Come out, said the car is still messing. She said, When I speed up, it gets worse. I said, That's what I wanted to hear. I said, We'll try to get to an auto parts store. Long story short, she made it to Kroger's. I said, I'm on my way. Thank God we got AAA. They towed it home. Didn't cost us anything because of that. About a quarter mile before I got off the interstate, the truck started. I said, This is what I need. So now both vehicles are broke down in Barbersville. So I said, Lord, you're getting the car home. But you've got to get this truck home with me and my family in it. My mom, my wife, and my two kids. And all the way home, that lifter was sitting there singing like a, like a singer sewing machine. I thought she was going to blow any second. But it got home. Then I said, God, I need money that I had set aside for other things right now besides buying parts for vehicles. I can't do this right now. Then I stopped and I said, God, forgive me for complaining one second. I've got 200,000 miles on both these vehicles. And you've blessed us to the bitter end. You knew this was coming and I'm not going to be shook up about it because he's not shook up about it. You know what? i got a hope beyond this world. And this may be, and this is really, this isn't a Red Sea. This is an inconvenience. Most of our Red Sea experiences are inconveniences. We make them a Red Sea experience because it's woe is me. Let me hurry. Isn't God good? <laughs> all right. In the daytime also he led them with the cloud and all the night with the light of fire. He clayed the rocks in the wilderness, verse 15, and gave them drink out of the grass. Have you ever walked up to a rock and held your cup out and got a drink? Neither have I, but they did. 
pretty good miracle, you ask me. Uh, verse 16, he brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. I mean, folks, they didn't just have a little trickle. I mean, it was a full-fledged stream coming out of a rock that God said, give water, and he gave water. Can God do that for you and I? Yes, he can, but we must keep our end of the deal. Yes, he'll provide for you. The Bible says he will. Yes, he'll take care of you. Yes, he'll give you your needs. But how about some blessings? And how about us remembering what God has done for us? Can God continue to do it? Do we forget? And that we're seeing a generation right now that has been brought a godless generation taught that there is no God and we're seeing the results of it. What do you think is going to happen when nobody believes in God? What do you think is going to go, go down? We're seeing it. We got kids, we got people in this in this country that thinks the church is the enemy. They're taught that by the media. We're taught that by the news and social media. I'll be honest with you. I appreciate the positive of social media, but I just assumed it went away. All of it. Snaps and chats and books and faces and, and spaces and anything else you want to put there. Grams and letters and notes and poets. As far as I'm concerned, do away with all of it. A lot of our problems would probably disappear overnight. A lot of gossip would. Praise God, let me get back to preaching here. A lot of false news. We got enough of that on TV. So, verse 17. I'm, I'm going to get ready to start winding down here. I know that's another 10 minutes usually. And they sin yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. Number three, they challenged him. Have you ever done something for somebody, tried to be nice, do the right thing, forget their faults, forgive them and forgive them, and yet they still provoke you again because they throw it right back in your face? That's exactly what they were doing. And God said, I still love you. Do you realize how much you and I do that to God today? Don't look at me and say, oh, preacher, I don't do that. I, I can give you some tests if you want to real quick and we'll find out. When's the last time you ever thanked God for a clean glass of water? They got it out of a rock. You walk over to your faucet or the refrigerator and get it out of a bottle. When's the last time you give God thanks for that? There's people in this world today that won't have a clean glass of water to drink. Huh. We're getting ready to go eat a feast. And I'm going to walk down that aisle. And when I get to that part of that line with all that nasty mayonnaise and mustard and all those stupid salads that should be raked right into the trash as far as I'm concerned, I preach against that stuff like death. It don't do any good. I'm being a smart aleck, I know. But there's people in this world today that hope they eat. And you know what? If I suffered like them for a little bit, I might be thankful for some of them salads every now and then. That's the truth. Instead of complaining about them, I probably ought to say, God, thank you for providing food. Even if I don't like it, it's there. They challenged him. They provoked him. You know, in the wilderness, they spent 40 years going in a circle. Canaan was about from here to St. Albans, and they just went in a circle. The finish line was not very far, but because they constantly complained and griped, God could not get them to their destination. Can God get you to yours? Verse 18, they tempted him, tempted God in their heart. 
by asking meat for their lust. You know, there's nothing wrong with asking God for things. But when we ask it for our lust, that's when it's wrong. The Bible plainly says that in James. He said, you ask not because you receive not because you ask not. And if you ask, you ask consume it upon your own lust. They charmed him. They forgot the covenant. They forgot the commandments. They challenged him and they charmed him. It was like, God, how about you do this for us? I'm a pretty good fellow. How about you take care of me, Lord? Instead of saying, God, thank you for what you did. I remember what you've done for our ancestors, what you did for my parents, what you did for my grandparents. You delivered them. You gave them everything they needed. You brought us out. You brought us forth. You have blessed us beyond measure. You have given us everything. When's the last time you stood and you stopped and you thank God for blessing you like he has? Thank God for giving you salvation that he's given you, a hope beyond this world, a hope beyond what we've got. There's people in this world wanting hope, looking for something, desiring something, and Jesus is offering forgiveness of sin and a chance to go to heaven and be with him if you'll just call on him and ask him to forgive you of your sins he can or will help you too much of the time all we do is murmur and complain verse 19 so they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust let me say this about that he knows whether you're real or not you might fool me and some others but you ain't fooling God he knows how much you really love him. He said, Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Could you just hear all the things I just told you he had done for them? And this was not even barely, this is not even really the highlights. And yet, they had the gall to look at God and say, Can he do it? Let me ask you, can he do for you what you need? You know what it says in Hebrews? I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. We've done a little test. What does it take to please God? Hebrews chapter 11, a roll call of the hall of faith. But without, it is to please, for we must ah, believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that seek Him. Do you diligently seek him? I've heard of people. There's a show on TV called The Curse of Oak Island. And these people went out and they've been people with metal detectors. They've, they've followed treasure maps and clues and all these things trying to find the treasure that's buried there. They have been diligent about looking for it, not quitting until they found it. Those people diligent about finding the Titanic would not quit till they found it. How diligent are you and I about finding God in our life? About seeking Him? Number, number five, and I'm done. They complained. They didn't thank Him. They didn't congratulate Him. They complained. How much of our time do we spend complaining to God? How much of our time do we spend thanking God? Verse 20 says, Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? That's what they were saying. I mean, my goodness, they had a, a river coming out of a rock. 
There was no fountain there. There was no spring. It was God. Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger also came up against Israel because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. You know why people today are lost and not born again? One, the Bible tells us that they're blinded, their eyes are blinded by Satan. He's got them fooled. I've told different people recently, God showed me this years ago, and I've said this many, many times here, the greatest lie ever told. Just wait. Just wait. Satan will tell you, just wait to get saved. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to get this straight. You need to get that straight. You need to accomplish this. You need to fix this. You need to fix that. What about this? We ain't experienced that. What about this person? I could go on and on and on. And you know what he does to Christians? Just wait before you get too involved in the church. Just wait before you love God like you should. Just wait before you serve God like you should. Just wait to be dedicated to God. Just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. Just wait! And he'll just wait you all the way to the grave. And if you're lost, he'll get you to do that all the way to hell. And in hell, there'll be no chance. All right, last thing and I'm done. They forgot the covenant. They forgot the commandments. They challenged God. They tried to charm God and they complained. I hope that we're not guilty of all of them like he was, like these people were. Now, a few weeks ago, I gave a challenge. I said, who can quote the Romans road? And we even had a handout put in our bulletins for everybody to learn it by. It was right there, for, laid out for you. Somebody stand up and quote it for me. Y'all care, don't you? Do you care? Do you care about Jesus? Do you care about this church? Do you care about lost people? You just showed it. You just proved it. Wow. I thought at least one person would have it. Let's go through it. Somebody help me. How do we start? Romans what? 3.23. What's it say? All of sin it comes short of the glory of God. Everybody. What's the next one? Romans what? Romans 6.23. What's it say? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What's the next one? 5 and 8, right? For God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know you and I did nothing to merit salvation? Jesus didn't wait for me to get better. He didn't wait for me to improve. He didn't wait for me to, to, to do anything. He said, I've got to die for you in the sinful state that you're in. And I'll give my love to you. I'll shed my blood for you. I'll give my life for you. In your place, I'll take your punishment. I'll take your sin and I'll take your hell for you so you don't have to. Then what's the last one? Romans 10 and 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth man believeth unto righteousness with confession. 
For if the heart mammoth and the righteous with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, for whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall not be ashamed. Isn't it amazing that God gave us this plan? And you and I wonder, can God? Can God do it? You better believe He can. But there's a condition to God doing some things for us. And that's believing on Him. I wasn't trying to sound mean and hateful a while ago or this morning, but my heart breaks in my own life for my lack of devotion to God sometimes. And our, as a church, our lack of devotion to God. I'm thankful for everyone and I love you. And if I didn't, I wouldn't stand up here and tell you the truth. You know the hard thing about preaching a message like this? When I go home, you don't know the battle that I'm getting ready to face. You don't know the heartbreak I'm getting ready to go through. The suffering. But it's worth every bit of it. It's worth every bit of it. Because He's worth it. Father, we thank You again for this time together. And God, I, I pray I haven't failed You. God, I pray that I preached what You told me to. Lord, I pray that I did it with love. God, if I didn't, then forgive me. Please, God, help me to do better. Lord, we need to love you more. We need to honor you more. God, we need to show it, Lord. Can you, God, can you? Yes, you can. God, the problem is, so many times we don't ask you, may I? We just go on and do it. And then we pay the price for it. And then we got to say, God, can you forgive me again? That may have been the message, should have been the message, but God, I preached it the way, the best I could, the way you presented it to me. Father, I pray, please, God, do with this what only you can. If there's anyone here that's lost or doesn't know you, please, God, deal with their heart. I'll take the Bible. God, I'll kneel down with them and pray with them. I'll take the Bible and show them those very verses we just read. God, I pray this morning that we can honor you like we should. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand, we get a song of invitation. If there's something in your life this morning that you need, something that God has spoken to you about, you need to come and get it fixed. Most of all, beyond anything, if you don't know for sure that if you die right now, you would go to heaven.